Brad. Thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah? yeah. I'm pretty tired today. I have not had my coffee this morning, which is not, not, does not bode well. Yeah, I, I haven't had my coffee either. Isabel and I drove through Dunkin' Donuts, and mm-hmm. uh, for some reason I chose a really sugary drink. I was going to say, I'm that not, does not look like coffee to it's me. It's very pink and very sugary, and mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what what happened there. But um, listeners, you might hear today in the background, uh, it, we are in full VBS mode. We are. Today we and are. This We're week. almost halfway through. We are. And our podcast room is located right by the snack line. <laughs> so, so they're enthusiastic right so now. So over the next 20, 30 minutes, you're going to hear over 100 children getting their snacks. So if you hear that in the background, that's what that is. But we are here to, to talk about Psalm 41. It was another song of lament. Yes. Yes. It was a great message. You know, there's a couple points. Um, I listened to it back on our sermon podcast stream, and I felt like if I wasn't taking notes, but I felt like if I had, I'd have a whole notebook of notes. <laughs> is that because I was talking so fast, or is that because <laughs> yes, like... Yes, no, both. Yeah. So many. Th- these, these, this whole focus on lament, I think we covered it a little bit, has been so eye-opening to me because we've talked about, you know, we're supposed to we're blessed. We're not supposed to have trial or mm-hmm. we're not supposed to woe is me during trials, but we are learning it is biblical mm-hmm. to lament. Mm-hmm. And I mean, God inspired a whole book on it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then other places. And so um, you, I, I love how you opened with Johnny Erickson taught us forward in, mm-hmm. um, is it Dark Clouds, Deep yeah, Mercy? Yeah, the Dark Clouds, Deep Mercies book, yeah. yeah. Which is a great book. I know we went through that in staff study here yeah. about a year ago. Yeah. Um, and it, I mean, Johnny Erickson taught if, if anyone could lament, <laughs> she has every right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but speaking of Psalm 41, then give, give our listeners just a little five minute overview or a couple minute overview of, of what, what we pulled out of 41 on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't our first. It wasn't our first bout with lament. So last time we did a lament, um, I tried to kind of introduce the subject. Yep. <clears throat> this time going through, I was hoping we could take a little bit more of a deep dive um, and take a look at some of the challenges and some of the pain. Um, Forty-one is only thirteen verse, verses, so that allowed us mm-hmm. to dig in just a bit. A little shorter a than last week. Bit more. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, and it was intriguing the way it started. I, I tried to introduce this idea. Is it, this kind of wraps up the whole first book in the Psalms of those five books? Psalm one through forty-one is the first book, mm-hmm. and so it kind of starts with a blessing and ends with a blessing. Um, but it starts with the blessing of being engaged in God's word as kind of a primer for all of the Psalms. And it ends with this blessing about considering the weak and needy. And it really sets a tone for the rest of the Psalm because it, the rest of the Psalm really lays out how there is a blessing available from God. There's a happiness for ministering to the poor, the needy, the weak, the, the powerless, that sort of idea. Um, but part of that comes from the fact that we experience that ourselves, yeah. you know, and the recognition. So this idea of, of seeking out those that we can minister to because... God, the Lord protects and keeps him alive. He, uh, in the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Some of these promises and some of these encouragements that that God is watching, God is sovereign. He does know what's going on, mm-hmm. and He does keep an eye on these things. But then it really moves into kind of this challenging, challenging section as far as the actual lament issue, the, the explanation of the need, and just we 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 camped out on that idea of just expressing our need for God's grace. That that line that comes up twice in the Psalm is, "Oh Lord, be gracious to me." Mm-hmm. 
say, God, I need your mercy. I need your help. I need your I need your grace in my life. Not not in kind of the technical way we think of. We tend to think of grace as, I mean, obviously the definition of grace is unmerited favor. That's right. But we tend to think of grace chiefly or primarily in relationship to salvation. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, rightly so. You mm-hmm. know, right? God gives us grace for salvation. But more more than that, what he's talking about here is just like, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I, I don't deserve your help, but I need your help. And, he's, like, and do you think he's trusting God to help? That's just it. Like he's 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 casting himself before the throne of God saying nobody else can help at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, like my circumstances, I'm, you know, I need healing. I'm sick. I'm ill. I like my friends are betraying me. I mean, all of this, like I've got no one else to turn to God. I need you. And and we tried to camp out on that idea of like this, I, this concept of, of taking our issues to God, these sort of issues that nobody else can really change. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody can change the circumstances of our life. Nobody can change a certain diagnosis. Nobody can change a situation with other people that is outside of our control. All of those things are ultimately in God's hands. And so he takes that stuff to God and he says, you're the one that can take care of it. Yeah. And I recognize that I can't take care of it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, too often, I think in our current paradigm, we think, well, I, I it's it's me. Yeah. I can solve this problem. Or what's the, wh- what is it that I just need to do? Let me do the thing so I can get to the other side of this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I just, I want to get beyond it. And instead the psalmist is like, Lord, you're the only one that can save me. Mm-hmm. And so, so this, this idea of being merciful, being gracious to others, this blessing, this, this God's promise to take care of us and then recognizing, but in the trial, we need God. And yeah. that's really what's supposed to be produced in that situation. We're supposed to recognize our need for God. We're supposed to move that to God, but we never must be hesitant to express that. Be like, God, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I need your grace. Mm-hmm. Please be gracious to me. And learning to kind of go through that process. And then that I, I love that, that Troy, uh, before the message, kind of tipped his hat to this idea that the lament then turns, you know, and it goes back to expressing trust. So it's orienting our hearts toward God, and then it's expressing our pain and our need for him. But then it's grounding our faith in who God mm-hmm. is and, and celebrating God's character. And that's where this idea of, but you have upheld me, right? You've set me in your presence forevermore. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And that's where that language came up. And it was really this recognition that we begin to trust God when we recognize his character. That's really one of the unique things about Christians going through suffering. Everybody goes through hard times in yeah. life. Like everybody, everybody goes through good seasons and hard times. Right. Like There's God no causes the rain to fall is... on the just and the unjust. That's right. No human gets to evade that. Right, right. Yeah. So we all know the experience of pain. We all know the experience of frustration. We all know the experience of being having things outside of our control. Um, what we can uniquely do and what we uniquely have struggle with is we have to wrestle between the tension of difficult circumstances and a good God. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievers don't have to wrestle with that. They're like, oh, the world's just a mess, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. You do what you do. Or they quickly say, well, look what God did. Yeah. Right? yeah I mean, like they're they're, that. they're yeah. quick to blame him versus find his character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very much so. Um, as opposed to like a thoroughly Christian biblical stance is, well, God is good. Mm-hmm. But there is pain. Yep. Okay, so could God do something about it? Yes. Right? We don't serve an impotent God who can't change our circumstances. Right. And so that that creates an attention in our lives where we mm-hmm. feel this tension. Like, God, you could do something about this. Why aren't you? Now, that's the right question. Out of that question comes lament. Out of that question comes, okay, I may not even always know the answer to the question, but I know that you're good. 
I know that you're sovereign and you're powerful. Mm -hmm. And I know that you use trials in my life to create something in my character. Mm -hmm. And that allows the Christian to take those needs to God, to express the pain, to express the need, but then also to ground our faith and our walk forward in trusting him in spite of the fact that we may never get fully the answer to the questions. Well, what you just said there I think is important, but we shouldn't just stop there, though. Exactly. We need to, okay, God, you could change us and you're not. We need to then take the next step of saying, okay, so I'm going to open my hands and I'm going to hold this loosely, and then I'm going to trust you with it. Yes. Because yes. there's, in some ways, there's that's a final different... step to that lament. That's exactly what differentiates complaining from lament. Yes. You know, anybody can kind of say, God, how dare you? What right. are you doing? Right. That doesn't make sense. Right. Right? That's complaining. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes lament is when we say, God, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. God, this is a situation I don't understand, and I'm frustrated, or I'm angry, or I'm confused. Mm-hmm. But I know what your character is. That's Those are the steps. That's what makes it mm-hmm. explicitly lament mm-hmm. versus just complaining. Yeah, yeah that, that last part brings it full circle of and getting to know God's character through reading his word. I mean, that's how yes. we get to know him. And so that I just know in times... Um, Listeners have heard me mention this before, but when Philip and I, when Isaiah was first born in the hospital, you know, he he, he was in the hospital for 42 days. And at 42 days, we were begging, can we go home yet? Can yeah. we go home yet? Yeah. And he's not well enough. He's not well enough. And and I just remember praying, going, okay, Lord, your word says you can do these amazing <laughs> things. Like, I didn't recognize it at the time, but I was going through that circle of lament. And when mm-hmm. we, we read that book and then obviously look at the scriptures— there was there was biblical lament happening, and I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Yeah. But, God, your word says this. Please do this. Why aren't you doing this? But then also coming back to, but I know who you are, and you yeah. you know way more than we will ever know. And so entrusting yeah. his character to, to lead us through. So um, the laments just always hold a special place to me because mm. – I, I feel like you can really wrestle through your faith if you come through the other side. Okay. Yeah, it's very it's very true. And and one of the things that's intriguing to look at the laments, we're not going to get to cover all of them in Psalms, is that some are personal and some are corporate. Yeah. You know, there's even right. a place for together doing that. Like there's a place for privately in our own heart. And there's a place for corporately as a church or as a body of believers to corporately lament what's going on. To acknowledge. Um, yeah. And even you can look at larger injustices in society or in the world or situations and there's a place for corporately lamenting the circumstances and these situations going, God, why do you allow uh-huh. this to happen? Why do you allow evil to prosper and uh-huh. thrive? Why don't you stop wars and famine and sickness yeah. and and all of these sort of things? And there's a, there's a place for that sort of thing as well. I mean, something like 40% of all the Psalms are laments. Huh. You know, it's very, very common throughout the Psalter. Yeah, that's and a high number. It seems, just, it seems so strange to us. Like, yeah, because we, think, we that think, way. think the Psalms are like... And we also, when we when we start to do that, we start to think everything is always kind of, you know, uppy, mm-hmm. if you will. Like, we forget that most people can resonate with the Psalms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Almost everybody you would talk to would have a circumstance similar to yours. They're saying, mm-hmm. like, I went through a situation mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. It was so hard. I needed this sort of language. But when we don't get used to talking about it, it mm-hmm. makes it feel like I'm the only one that has ever experienced anything right. that painful. I'm the only one questioning God's sovereignty yes. here, right? Yes. No. <laughs> yes. And and yeah. we keep people out of the pain and we pretend like we're okay on a Sunday morning. And yeah. that's just not most of the Christian walk. Like life is hard. Yep. It is. So if you had been given five more minutes, is there anything in those 13 verses that you you would have wanted to expound more on? 
Oh, that's a really good question. The, the, the part that I don't feel like I did very, very good justice to, um, less than the psalm itself, uh, was toward the end trying to connect it to what, what takes place in, in John chapter 13. Okay. That was probably the piece that I was like, ah, I don't know. I maybe, I maybe rushed that or went through that a little mm-hmm. too quickly. We should have had a little more time to camp out on basically the way Christ sees the fulfillment of Psalm 41 in Judas's betrayal. And even, even beyond that, you can take and extrapolate it out. If you read like Matthew's account of that season, not only Judas's betrayal, but Peter's betrayal and the disciples' rejection and, and fleeing from Christ and all those sort of things. And you pick up on this language, this idea of even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And it's very true of Judas, but it's true of all the other disciples in many ways as well. Um, but obviously, Jesus picks up on that language for Judas in Psalm 41, mm-hmm. 4, John 13. And that was probably the piece that I was like, I wonder if we went too quickly through this uh, was all. Because I'm just, I'm blown away by the reality of watching that scene unfold. Yeah, I just, Christ, you said, yet he never quits loving Judas. He knows when he's washing Judas's feet. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just, I was looking at that I mean, going. Wow. And you can... Lament is part of the reason that that I think we can follow Christ's example and do that. Because what we can what we can embrace is what Romans says, right? Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And when we embrace a theology of suffering and lament, we can lament the pain, we can lament the experience, we can even lament the betrayal we're feeling. Yeah. But once we have truly turned that over to God, saying, God, you will make this right, hmm. and I trust your character for that. That then frees us up hmm. to the sort of Christian love in the New Testament that we're hmm. called to. Because people will find it really struggling, and we're, and we're going to wrestle with that in Psalm 109 because we're, we're running into another imprecatory psalm okay. and this language calling for God's justice this week. Um, but people will wrestle with that. We're like, how do I, how do I reconcile, like, the love of the New Testament with Jesus and the, the wrath of God in the Old Testament. How do I reconcile the language of the laments or the imprecatory psalms mm-hmm. with this, this feeling that like, okay, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute yeah. you, that Christ you know, would say. Um, and that's part of it is like when you recognize lament is this ability to turn justice and, and righteousness over to God, saying, you handle it, God. I'm not qualified to handle that. You take care of it then we can treat people the way we're supposed to treat people. Like we can treat people lovingly. Like um, we can, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go there, you know, on, on, in Sunday's message. I didn't, but what Jesus in many ways is living out is, is first Peter two. Let me see if I can find this real quick. Is, is, is he's living out the concept of first Peter two. Peter's addressing how do people live in light of being persecuted wrongly. And he uses Christ as an example, and he says, For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Right? That's the concept. Right? Because once you've turned that getting even over to God, I don't have to right the scale. God's going to take care of that. That's right. You're responsible for your reactions in it. Bingo. I'm like, God, it's up to you. I'm going to be faithful. You know? Yeah. So is that the application in all of this? You know, I what, I think I think there's at least two points of application. Okay. I I think for sure the application is learning to lament. You know, part of what I wanted to walk through for people in Psalm 41 was how do I 
how do I practice going through these steps? Mm -hmm. You know, how do I train my mind, train my heart, train my spirit to walk through this process? You know, when I am feeling pain for whatever reason, for any number of different circumstances, whether it's a physical illness like you talked about, whether it's an enemy's attack or whether it's even a friend's betrayal, how do I use this model of lament? You know, how do I orient my heart toward God? How do I express my pain and be real with God? And not feel like I've got to hold back this part of my Which my is so funny because he knows our inmost thoughts. Exactly. <laughs> People were like, we're just going to hold this because then we're not really going to let God know what exactly. we feel. Exactly. That's, that's, so that's silly. just where it is. Yeah. I, and then you read the Psalms and you go, wow, okay, David really let God know what he was thinking. You, you know, have it. sort of a thing. And, and, and so at least one of the points of application is to walk through that process, to rehearse that process in our minds, saying, I'm, I'm going to remind myself that God is the one that's in charge of this and he's sovereign. And then I'm going to take this to him in prayer mm-hmm. rather than just stewing on it in our own heads or being up at night about it or talking with somebody else about it or like, I'm going to take this to the Lord and I'm going to express mm-hmm. what I'm feeling. I'm going to express what seems like an injustice. I'm going to lay my heart bare in my own sin out before him. And then I'm going to remind myself of who he is, that he is just, that he is good, that he is sovereign, that he does have the best in store for me. And, and then I'm going to leave it with him. You know, yeah. and and that process, we have to teach our our minds. We have to yeah. teach our hearts to do that because we don't naturally do that. No. But then the second part is like once you've done that, once you've kind of, you know, later on in in First Peter, Peter will say, you know, cast your cares on Him, knowing that He cares for you. Right. Like once you've cast your cares on Him, then you can there, then go out and you can you can One obey and you can love other. people yep. and you can and you can address even injustices. You can do the mm-hmm. things that. You know, the persecuted church have done for 2,000 years of saying, though they persecute us, we'll still try to share the gospel with them and we'll chill, still try to care for them and we'll mm-hmm. still love them. Mm-hmm. We can do exactly what Christ did with Judas. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're called to do that. Well, yeah, that's that's intrinsically <laughs> what it means to be a Christian. You know, if you're that's a right. Christ follower, you do what Christ did. That's right. That's the point of First Peter 2. That's right. And Christ was the most perfect example we could have. That's just it. Yeah. That's just it. He did it perfectly. So you mentioned we're headed towards an Im- no imprecatory psalm. Yeah, yeah, Psalm 109. So that's where we're headed Sunday. Yes, and and probably the thing I'm most worried about is it's really long again. I've got another really long imprecatory psalm, psalm here in Psalm Psalm 109. It's it's 31 verses, okay. so we're going to have to be moving. Okay. Um, and the lion's share of that is the, the middle of the text, basically like, Verses 6 through 2020, right in the heart of the text, is this long expression of, well, the term is imprecation, okay. calling for where God's get, judgment. Where we get a imprecatory songs. Exactly, okay. exactly. You know, so we get things like, you know, appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he's tried, Ooh. let him come forth guilty, right? May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. Wow. Um, may the creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruit of his toil. I'm going to uh, stop you right there. Like, Can you imagine if you were having a conversation in a coffee shop right. with a friend and saying those words? <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So, I think some calls would be made. Yeah, <laughs> this this person's got some issues. Like, that's, they need to address it. Those are, that's some strong language. It's it's really strong language. Wow. And, I, and I think it's, again, it's really important to note this is oriented toward God. Mm-hmm. And yet we must not be cautious. Like we must not be hesitant to say this is this is God's word. There is there's something of value here. Right. It's funny. I was reading one commentary and it was almost like as Christians we 
bristle at this. Like it's like how do it's we reconcile this with the New Testament gospel and and you know sort of things like that. And I'm going. It's the God of the Old Testament that wiped out hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, yeah. But that that that's a hard one to wrap our heads around. And then the love and the grace and the mercy in the New Testament. Yeah, it comes down to our own inability to make the attributes of God jive. That's right. You know, we forget that God is both fully just and fully wrathful and fully love. Like, it's and fully grace. And, like, we, we pit those things against each other and make them as if they're competing attributes. That, well, right. you can't be merciful and just at the same yeah. time. Well, no, meek, God is. Mild, all these things, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so... So there's got to be a place, not to mention the fact that people miss the fact that um, in the New Testament, the one who talked about hell the most was Jesus. Hmm. And if you want to talk about harsh treatment, like hell is far scarier than these things. Yeah. Like, and yet we struggle with these things and we're like, ah, it's not a big deal. And far longer. Yeah. I was going to say, like, <laughs> and so like in some ways it's it's more our cultural moment where we struggle with um, – we struggle because we hold God to our standard of justice. We want to define our own standard, and then we want to make God live up to that, as if somehow we're more just than God is. Um, and that's that's part of our issue, is is this kind of a struggle as well. Um, there's also, I also believe that there's probably some hyperbole, you know, <laughs> in this in this sort of language. Yeah. There's an expression and indicating his 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 emotion, the injustice of the situation, things like that, that isn't intended to be taken literally yeah. as well. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more that, about that on Sunday. Okay. But yeah, we're in Psalm, we'll be in Psalm 109. We'll be addressing that whole idea. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's ironic because in this Psalm, as much as the hard language is, what we find as far as New Testament fulfillment comes in many ways in Christ's prayer for those that are persecuting him. And so we're going to have a chance to kind of dive into that idea, deal with some of these ideas of how did Christ respond to those that treated him this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's going to be a fun time, I think. So what's some, what's some companion text then? Where are you headed to? You know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure yet? out I which mean, gospel I'm going to reference in the New Testament. But I would encourage people, if you want to, if you want to take a look, any of the gospels, um, all of the gospels have the crucifixion account. Yep. Um, and so the the account of, of Christ on the cross and and the going through curse. the last that last mm-hmm. season of life in any of the gospels would be a worthwhile read as you anticipate what we're going to be finding here um, in Psalm 109. Okay, so 109 Sunday and listeners will let you know. Then Pastor Brad's on vacation for two weeks. Yes. he'll be out of yes. the out of the pulpit for two weeks, and so we're going to be taking a little break, and we'll be back in July. And um, we'll we'll go from there what our plans are for the podcast. But just so you know, we'll be off for two weeks and uh, Psalm 109 this Sunday. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we'll see you when you get back. <laughs> Thank you. I'm <laughs> going to enjoy the time off. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recaps.